talk about revolution that's going a little bit too far. So love me, love me, love me. I'm a liberal. Hello, and welcome to another episode of More Like the Worst Wing. Uh, our podcast where we take a look at Aaron Serkin's seminal work, The West Wing, from a modern 2020 leftist perspective. I am Dave. And I am Stu, and that in the background might be my wife, depending on how diligently I edit this. <laughs> no worries. Uh, and we are here to discuss the episode entitled Debate Prep, uh, which is... Thankfully, uh, relatively easy structurally to discuss compared to some of the other episodes, but unfortunately uh, is a particularly poor episode of The West Wing (laughs) when it comes to entertainment value. Yeah, we're in a real stretch here. I remember it picking up a bit when we get to the actual election, like the actual election episode itself. I remember being pretty good in, in, in my faint memory of... Uh, when I watched it years ago. But yeah, we're in a real slog of uh, I, of some bad episodes at the I, moment. I think you've described it in the past as saying, like, Sorkin loves to write for, like, the, the campaign, and this interstitial stuff is just boring garbage because what can you do to produce drama if you don't have a coherent set of politics? Mm-hmm. All you're doing is just waiting in the wings for the right. next time, like, the marketplace of ideas takes center stage. That's a good way of putting it, yeah. So, yeah, campaigns are so easy to write because it's like, okay, well, it's all binary. It's all yeah. win or lose. It's a horse race. You know, we don't, we don't have to get into any of the fucking actual policy nitpicks or whatever, even though, you know, they make surface-level attempts to do so, like the college tax deduction BS. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so this episode is mostly focused on the eponymous debate prep, um, where at the end of last episode... I believe Toby was the one who says to CJ, like, you need to get me 24 hours. Uh, And this is that 24 hours uh, where in our cold open, he asks, you know, how long have I been doing this? And Leo's like, "Uh, 19 minutes, sir. And he's like, you're still stuck here for another 23 hours, 41 minutes. Um, So they're doing debate prep. Uh, Sam is playing Richie. uh, And Bartlett is, of course, playing Bartlett. And they're, you know, they're just doing some sample sort of questions about, you know, economic stuff or schooling, parenting related things. And Bartlett Bartlett gets extremely testy uh, throughout um, and like does a lot of like throws a lot of shade at Sam for like going too hard on him, (laughs) which like it kind of defeats the whole purpose of debate prep if you're going to like coddle or like sort of like come on dude you know shout at your uh, subordinates for like doing too good a job at pushing you in debate prep well and that's what it has always struck me is like that is what should be like this is the only time you get to have somebody replicate like frankly i mean in a 2020 context like what should be just the sheer vitriolic hatred of your opponent in a high-profile race. Like, that's the thing. Bartlett getting upset at Sam is, like, so missing the point. Because, like, dude, if you're getting upset at Sam, what are you going to do when actual Richie is throwing this shit your way? Like, (laughs) this guy's on your team. He's just playing the role, and you're getting mad at him. And you can't fire actual Richie. Like, if you get mad enough, you just, there's nothing you can do. Right. So it's, you know, it's funny in some, like, it's played for humor in some ways, but then also, 
like Bartlett is, is actually getting upset and it's played for, you know, the drama of that situation too. Uh, but then also people like go up to Sam afterwards and kind of give him a pat on the back and be like, keep going hard on him. You're, you're doing good boy. <laughs> yeah. And this is just, it's, it's the other, it's kind of like the common thread through the episode where we drop in on them, you know, kind of just doing a couple questions back and forth, but it always ends up like, um, I was just struck by how arbitrary their standards for what is good or bad to include in the right. debate setting is. Because mm-hmm. there's a scene where they start off and like they ask this question and Bartlett just like completely like basically leans to the side and takes like a shit poster pose <laughs> and goes like, well, <laughs> that's characteristically stupid of you, Mr. Governor. And like everybody in the room applauds. Yep, and they then, think it was an epic <laughs> clapback moment, you know. And and then he gives this answer where he's just like, well, you know, we don't want to, um, like, I don't remember exactly what it is. I'll find the clip and maybe I'll put the clip in here. Sure. Governor Ritchie contends there's a crisis in the American family, that parents aren't spending enough time with their kids. We're trying this again. Sorry. Yeah. And that your solution is essentially to have government raise children. Well, that's an extraordinary and unsurprisingly dumb interpretation of what it is my administration is trying to accomplish. Mm. (laughs) It's hard enough to raise kids today with help from family leave, subsidized daycare, preschool. We need more of it, not less. The government can't raise kids, Mr. President. Parents have to. I have three grown daughters, Governor. You really want to tell me how I should raise my family? You're really comfortable with that? There it is. You want to tell other American fathers and mothers what they're doing wrong? Sir, I did not say... I didn't think you did. So why don't we stick to what it is government can do, which is collect money and distribute it and stop wasting time by sentimentalizing families. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. That's not good, sir. And it's about this family thing, and all of a sudden they're just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa. We just lost every stay-at-home mom. You just went way too far. But, like, you know, calling Richie a dumbass was fine. Yeah, like, you getting getting your superficial own on a guy that you, like, dislike personally is just fine and dandy. But we can't upset right. the sensitivities of the Baileys here. You know, <laughs> yeah, in, in the, the Chuck, Chuck Schumer the world. The Chuck Schumer imaginary family, <laughs> exactly. That does feel like who they're sort of tailoring this debate performance to is, like... You know, the the liberals who only understand tone, in essence. Um, and then just, like, avoiding any sort of, like, keywords or hot spots or pain points that they think that liberals will, go, will freak the fuck out about. Yeah, and there's also another, because we get actually some excellent guest stars again in yes. this episode. Thank God Marlon Matt was back. And yet it back. still didn't dra- bring the episode up in entertainment value that much, sadly. <laughs> They're really cramming the star power in here, and... It's not really working. So um, Marley Matlin as Joey Lucas is back with her Hooray! translator, Kenny. Um, and so in another like thing, she ostensibly this is all preparation and to suss out the effects of what taking different tact in the debate will do. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Marley Matlin is there as the professional pollster and they've got the bit. They've right. got the board up in one this room and she's like i am there's a scene where she goes and she's like i am taking i think it's nebraska out of like safe and putting it back in players wisconsin maybe some state. something like that sure yeah and so but and as soon as she does that everybody's just like zoop closing ranks 
no, no, no. Not uh, gonna fucking talk it's, about this. No, it's New Hampshire. Oh yes, that's right. <laughs> and that's why, because Bartlett is like super particular about winning New Hampshire. And as Josh says, if the if you told him it was win the election or win New Hampshire, he would have to think about it before he answered. <laughs> and and there so there we go again. It's like this the the primacy of these superficial like emotional things. Right. We're supposed to take this preparation seriously when they are actually like they're they're just shooting down the ideas of their strategist, like right. fundamentally. Even though she's even though she's like, no, guys, it's New Hampshire, it's fucking three electoral votes, and we'd have to invest like a lot of money to win it. Mm-hmm. Let's focus on other much more winnable states with a lot more electoral votes. Which is of course the objectively correct advice. <laughs> and yes, uh because of the need to coddle Bartlett's weird emotional tick about his home state, they just completely ignore it. And yeah. and shout her down. It's like- crazy. It, it's funny because, and just kind of just broadly here, Bartlett being from New Hampshire, New Hampshire is like the Mississippi of the Northeast. Like New Hampshire mm-hmm. is the backwards racist one of us that isn't the Texas of the Northeast, which is Maine. Parts of, parts of Maine, I was about <laughs> yeah. to say, are, are like that too, yeah. The, the Texas of the Northeast, which is Maine, or the Florida <laughs> of the Northeast, which is New Jersey. So Yes, yes, <laughs> like, very much so. New My parents came from Jersey to Florida, oh, so no like, shit. It, it tracks very well. <laughs> the um, So New Hampshire is this weird sort of like like little enclave in the Northeast. And okay, cool. Like it's an interesting story that Bartlett kind of rose to power through the governorship of New Hampshire. And mm-hmm. I'm sure back then mm-hmm. like this was a thing. But again, Joey Lucas is very correct. Like New 100%. Hampshire... If, if faced with the choice of, like, an egghead for president, New Hampshire would pick anything else. Yes. So. <laughs> yeah. So she's correctly like, whatever. It's three electoral votes. Fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's focus on, like, Ohio or something, you know, that has many more electoral yeah. votes. Yes. Better use of resources, <laughs> perhaps. Right. So it's funny to watch this objectively good campaign advice get shouted down and, and shouted out of the room just because Bartlett is so emotionally particular about his home state. Uh, we also, bringing up guest stars, we get um, Andy, uh, Andy Wyatt, mm-hmm. uh, a.k.a. Mrs. X Toby, um, shows up ostensibly uh, f- f- for debate prep. But uh, really, to get drama involved between her and Toby uh, and their their relationship, um, or you know, the, what is left of it at this point. Yeah. Uh, and Toby goes on this whole thing where he wants to like win her back and stuff. I'll go into more detail into that in a later segment when I need question the logistics of <laughs> the timeline and uh, and pregnancy, which will be uh, very fun. Well, and so but, I because think just yeah, so- we get flashbacks in this episode. Yes, uh, as well to the Bartlett administration first week in the White House, like literally their transition week. It's like it's implied it's January twenty first. I think is the date we flash back to, um, and so we get to see all of our mains like in the White House for the first time, um, which leads to a uh, a funny subplot with Donna. In fact, so- let, let, go ahead. I was going to say, if if you can't tell already, we're 10 minutes into this recording. And, like, this episode is a fucking mess. This episode yeah. is all over the place. There's so much bullshit going on. Like, it, it's yeah, almost it, hard to structure out a discussion it's, of it. It's mostly held together through the ostensible debate prep. But then, because of the flashbacks and everything, it, that's what makes it go all over the place. Because yeah. we don't even stay... We can't even... This is a, one of those location episodes where they're often 
I don't know. North where. Carolina for, somewhere. Oh, thank you. Thank you for remembering. Yeah. yeah, somewhere in North Carolina to do the debate prep. So we're actually out of the White House, which generally I enjoy these episodes. Absolutely. But because of the flashbacks, we spend half the time back in the fucking White House. <laughs> so kind of like defeating well, the purpose of like the get away from the White House type episode. So this actually probably let's use this as a transition because <clears throat> the reason that they start flashing back is because they anticipate a question in the debate revolving around their first term nominee for i think it's secretary attorney general excuse attorney me attorney general. general a guy named Correct. rooker so yep. they are like hey you will probably get this question about, about why'd you fuck up with rooker yeah why'd you yeah. fuck up with rooker and it turns out the the fuck up is with quotas and racial profiling because mm-hmm. um, he's a black man who is in favor of those things obviously he's a black cop Who's in favor yeah. of those things? Prosecutor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that is what prompts the flashback. Oh God, he's the West Wing's Kamala. I just got it. <laughs> or Val Demings. Heck, like sure. So many yeah, black yeah. cop Democrat options. Like shit. So anyway, that's why we have the flashback. So let's actually use this as a transition. We can talk about the flashbacks and how sort of the weird relationship stuff comes up in the past as well. So again, the second sort of common thread in this episode is the the flashback that continues. So we get a glimpse into the administration's first week in office where mm-hmm. they are doing the transition. They are getting used to their offices. They're figuring out where shit is. Uh, you we know, get a very funny clearances. We get a very funny meta joke between uh, Josh and Sam about like, oh, well, if we can't find where anything is, I guess we'll just have to walk and talk a whole bunch. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> self-awareness. Wink, 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 viewer. Wink, wink. <laughs> Indeed. So the, the, I mean, the first thing is a comedy bit where um, Donna is being briefed by a member of the outgoing administration. Her, yeah, what, what would be her role? Um, the, yes. the guy who currently holds her role. So he's the deputy chief of staff for whatever outgoing president. Um, I don't think the show actually names. I don't think they even say specifically who Bartlett replaced. I know in one episode we get the old presidents uh, at some point where James Carville plays one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, um, someone else plays like the West Wing's version of Jimmy Carter or whatever. Uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, I don't think we get the name or of exactly who he replaces. But it's it's it definitely meant to be a Republican. Um, that we know yes. for sure. That's because, because that's what sets up this interaction between Donna and this guy who's who is the current version of her role, where he's kind of antagonistic towards her, uh, and he, he ends up pranking her by making her think that there is a nuclear missile located <laughs> right underneath the White House uh, grounds, uh, specifically under the Eisenhower putting green. <laughs> because, of course... <laughs> Yeah, um, and he's so he makes a whole show about like, well, you know, some people take the iodine tablets for radiation. You know, I don't because I think <laughs> I, we're safe enough. And of course, Donna like falls for it head over heels and is like, uh, what radiation? <laughs> uh? And and um, and then 
uh, as after this, he just kind of is like, yeah, whatever, let's go to lunch. Uh, by the way, my girlfriend's a reporter at like Teen Vogue or whatever. And since you're young and like hip and stuff, they want to do an interview with you as like, Hey, look at this new incoming white house staff that has some cool young people in it. Do you want to give her like 10 minutes? And she's like, okay, sure. Uh, and during those 10 minutes, she repeats the, uh, the prank lie about the nuclear missile. <laughs> underneath the uh, Eisenhower putting green. And so as soon as Josh finds out about the article a few days later, he starts lambasting Donna over it, saying, like, how could you be so fucking stupid and naive and, like, Bambi-esque to, fall to you know, to just, like, fall it's for whatever this dude told you? Bambi-esque is such a fucking Sorkin, like, neologism. It's so <laughs> unnecessary. Like, just say doe-eyed. That right. is the... That's the adjective that you're looking for. And right. Or naive the... or, so, you know, something like that. But yeah, yeah. He, he has to go for specifically Bambi-esque, which then spurs Donna to uh, prank Josh in, in her own way. So she gets some guy who's a friend of hers to pose as an NSA guy. And so she, she goes up to Josh and she's like, Josh, there's a guy from the NSA here to see you. And she, he, Josh gets all serious about it. He's like, okay, send him in. And the, the Josh, the, the prank do fake NSA dude, uh, goes to Josh and is like, so, uh, recently your assistant did an interview with a magazine, uh, she hit a little too close to home for our liking, uh, and so we're going to be pulling her credentials while we investigate exactly how much uh, Donna knows about the U.S. nuclear military secrets. And of course, Josh starts like flipping out. Is like Donna doesn't know anything. You can, you don't need to investigate her. Oh my god, what the hell? And what then, have I done? You know. And then uh, he comes out and. Donna reveals that it was a prank the whole time and goes, haha, now who's Bambi-esque? And it's like, okay, was this really necessary, all of this? I like it. It's cute. It's cute, I guess. Okay. It's funny enough. Donna gets a good one in on Josh. Yeah. yeah sure. It, it is cool. what it is, but it is also a contributing factor to the confusion of this episode because it takes up a lot of time that probably could have been better spent on us understanding exactly what's happening in the yeah. timelines <laughs> because because the other thing that is like wends its way through the flashback is toby and andy's currently i believe at that point they are not no divorced. they are married yeah they are married in the flashback because yes. he specifically, at one point, uh, some staffers like uh, Congresswoman Andrew Wyatt's here to see you, Mister Ziegler, and he goes, "Yeah, Congresswoman Andy Wyatt is also Mrs. Ziegler." Yeah. Uh, so they <laughs> Which, are okay, they are also they, problematic, but right, they are married um, in the uh, in the flashback time. Um, so I don't know exactly when their divorce happens. It must be sometime between then and the actual start of the show, because once the show starts, they are not married. Correct. Um, so it happens sometime in that the start of the show is about six months into Bartlett's presidency from my memory. So sometime in that six months period between January 20th and the actual first episode of West Wing, they got divorced. Yes. From my understanding. And yep. I'm just laying this all out there because it gets confusing, particularly when, so the whole sort of subplot with this episode is Toby wants to get back together with Andy for reasons <laughs> i don't yeah. know why it's not like he's suddenly overcome with love or whatever 
uh, as far, at least as far as I can tell, maybe Toby just has a weird way of showing it. He's he's always sort of been a little just like, man, I wish this had worked out better. Because, I guess. I mean, I yeah. I, I guess like who, frankly, if we're to understand Toby as an emotional character at all, you know, he's kind of he got some regrets and he's always making the hard choices that end up kind of shitting on him. And so, sure, okay. So, yeah, I can see why he wants to get back together with Andy. Um, but he goes about it in an extremely Toby way. where uh, <laughs> So she's at the debate prep or whatever, and he pulls her aside and is like, hey, I need you to like work on this answer, work on this answer, well, research this, do that, get remarried to me, and uh, do this one <laughs> other thing. And it's like, really? That's your tactic, Toby? <laughs> yeah. Like something out of a Simpsons episode again. Yeah, like I'd expect Homer to pull that. Like yeah. you're supposed to be a real human being. <laughs> um, so, and then so other characters are like getting on Team Toby and trying to like help him out or whatever. Which I will say, I'll give credit that Toby finds the whole thing stupid as fuck. And it's like yeah. anytime anyone's like, I'm there to help you, man. He's like, I really wish you wouldn't be. This is so dumb. Like, just leave me to my own business. It's so stupid. Yeah. Uh, um, so then, okay, I'm going to skip past a bunch of stuff because I want to get to the thing sure. that confuses the fuck out of me, which is, okay, so at the end of the episode, Toby reveals that Andy is pregnant with twins, his twins, uh, specifically. Yep. Um, in some of the flashbacks, we actually got shots of them having trouble conceiving when they were married, uh, and they were going to a fertility clinic, and Toby had, like, all these hang-ups about donating sperm and stuff, because he's like, he's like, it's so awkward, you have to do it and, like, put the cup in front of the nurse after you're done, and it's like, Toby, you're a grown man, get the fuck over it. Do you want a baby or not? Um... I mean, well, and that's the thing. It's that I don't think he, from what becomes clear, is that he doesn't actually want a baby, I guess. Not like, at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're right. Because in the flashbacks, at one point, Andy is like, okay, well, you know, we kind of have a timing thing. Can you go do it right now, please? And he and he's like, this is the first week that we're in the White House. I can't spare even 20 minutes to go give a sperm sample. Do we really have to do it today? And has a whole big, like, angry meltdown about it, which probably leads to them getting divorced, I would imagine. I Yeah, well, and you can, I, when Emma was watching this, she's like, she pointed out, she's like, and that's where she decides to divorce him. Yeah, like, 100%. 100%. Because he's just, like, extremely laying it out there, like, I am putting work over you. And that's going to be the way things are now because we won the election and now this is more important to me. So um, it's it's Leo's arc from season yes, one. Yes, exactly. And that's where I was. That's where I was going with that too. Is like, also it it is just uh, the the ask for Toby is to go is to go jack it into a cup. Right. Like that's you it. Know, it'll take that you. Is... It'll take you twenty minutes to go do. You'll be back to the White House within the hour. No one will miss you. It's fine, feeling better, Toby. you know, feeling it's a little fine. unclogged, a little the country, loose. The country won't go to shit because you were gone for an hour. Like, that yeah. that's the problem that all the mains have, is they all think that, like, if they take even an hour off, everything goes to shit without them there. It's very great man, like, theory of history. Well, of, like, I'm too important. It's also work eth the Protestant work ethic coming out again, because yeah. you can't, oh, we couldn't possibly dedicate I can't time take to a our break personal lives. To, to impregnate my wife so that we might have children and be happy together? No, I have work to do. Like It also always uh, it comes around where it's another sort of like the Democrat thing where it's it's never appropriate 
to take personal time because it's like where it's never okay to criticize the party. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, oh, well, we can't criticize because we got midterms coming up. Right, yeah. Well, oh, yeah, you know, like, oh, we can't we just criticize. We just won. We just won. So, of course, now is the most important time. And then, like, th- you know, a month earlier, he was saying, like, well, the election's three weeks away. Now's the most important time. Important time. Like, exactly. <laughs> yeah. The, you can't win. You just fucking can't win. And, like, you, Emma made a very good point of, like, she. there's a definitely a moment where you can pinpoint that Andy's She's like, and on the couch in his I'm think, yeah. I think I'm out of here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, okay. But at the end, uh, Toby reveals that Andy is in not in the flashbacks, but now in the actual yeah. present at debate camp, is pregnant with his twins. And I need to know, when did this happen? Yes. Uh, did How they, does this work? Did they hook up at debate camp? Uh, if so, we saw zero signs. It's not like Andy was being flirty towards him in any way or or showing any signs at all that Toby's like weird attempts to try to get married to her were winning her over in any way, shape, or form. In fact, she was very clear about, like, no, I'm not getting remarried to you. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> so, like, I don't buy that, like, suddenly she would get sweet talk by Toby into sleeping with him for the night. But then the other alternative is that she's using the sperm samples from, at this point, what is, what is now years? Like, yeah, yeah th- three, three and a half to four years ago. And maybe they keep that long. I'm not an expert when it comes to this kind of stuff. <laughs> but if so, this would also be a weird time to go and get that procedure done. Uh, like, what made her in the last couple weeks think like oh okay now's the time i'm gonna go dig up toby's (laughs) sperm and and get it injected uh it's just it's very bizarre the logistics of like how did andy get pregnant and the show doesn't elaborate at all it's just like oh she's pregnant now yay baby's happy (laughs) yeah and like it i i guess i understand like because they do play Toby as being like, oh, I have some regrets about how this relationship worked out. Like, I understand then the desire and his pursuit of having a baby. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, cool. But like, I and having seen the entirety of this show, like, they they don't get back together, really. Correct. No, they like, don't. Like, she has the babies, and they, you know, they co-parent together, you know, civilly, um, and but they don't reconnect romantically, as far as I'm aware. Like, as as not a father myself, I guess I don't really have much much of a leg to stand on to to critique another parent's like preference in that. But it just seems like it's the worst situation. <laughs> for, yeah, for the kids. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It's it's really weird. And again, this just makes me question the logistics of how did it happen and why did Andy think like it was a good idea to do. Or, yeah. or, you know, did she talk to Toby about it? Did, was Toby on board? We don't get any of that. Like, just all of, the, all of a sudden, out, out of nowhere at the end, Toby's like, Andy's pregnant with my babies. Yay! Like, yeah, it's, 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 it's completely it's detached. Weird. It seems yeah. detached from everything. Like, oh, it, okay, cool. Yeah, it literally comes out of nowhere. Um, yeah. Because, like, all you had to do is show, like, one shot of, like, Toby walks into Andy's cabin at night and then like, boom, okay, now my question (laughs) is answered of like, how did Andy get pregnant or whatever? Although obviously a pregnancy test wouldn't have come back in like, you know, less than 24 (laughs) hours or whatever. So that makes me think that she did do it at like a clinic or something, you know, three or four weeks before. And now, you know, is far enough along that she can actually get a positive pregnancy test. 
So I guess I guess it's just fridge sperm keeps longer than I thought. I'm, I'm guessing. Cool. cool. <laughs> and on that note, let's take another quick break, uh, and then we'll come back and discuss the stuff that goes on between Israel and Kumar. A bit of hard-working, fictitious cartography. Yeah. Oh, we are now properly prepared to discuss the Kamari-Israel conflict that happens in this episode. So, uh, at one point during debate camp, uh, they pull Bartlett out and they take him to sort of a makeshift uh, Skype uh, sit-room situation that they have uh, where they've got Fitzwallis on the phone and they've got the other Joint Chiefs, you know, on the phone ready for Bartlett. Um, because right, uh, Israel has uh, struck Kumar using uh, s- some fighters, some American fighters that we sold them. Of course, natu- naturally. Uh, and they, you know, they made a strike at some sort of target. Apparently, there were no actual casualties. Yeah. But since it was a you know military strike on a sovereign nation, Kumar correctly considers this to be an act of war. Um, and it starts gearing up for retaliatory war with Israel. Uh, Bartlett and the Joint Chiefs and, you know, everyone in the sit-room correctly realizes, like, oh, shit, uh, we probably need to find some way to stop this, or this probably kicks it's, off yeah, World War III in the Middle East. Is, is waiting in the wings. <laughs> yeah, so uh, shit's real bad, uh, and Bartlett is not in the White House, which adds sort of another element of tension, I guess, to the whole thing, in that he can't be in the actual sit-room face-to-face with his people. So they, they get hung up on this whole thing with like a supply ship is heading towards Lebanon. Uh, that's going to deliver Kumari supplies there. So, uh, to better help Kumar set so, up a, a strike on Israel. Yeah. And they explain it in the, like, cause I'm, let's be clear. My brain was completely tuning out. of. Yeah. Moment. I totally <laughs> forgot all of this too. <laughs> Basically they say that what they're doing is they're sending supplies to what I'm assuming is some sort of sect or splinter group in Lebanon called the Baji. Right. Right. And that is That's who mm-hmm. Israel struck with their retaliatory attack. Yeah, they hit like a Baji training Camp. facility yeah. or something like that. So exactly. The Thank the you. thing now is that it is now explicit that Kumar is sending arms, including a you know they do the they do the like military wankery thing. It's a multiple launch rocket system that carries right yeah where they have to jerk off the specs of the thing like fucking Tony Stark in yeah. the first Iron Man. <laughs> When he's talking about his missile system. Well, yeah. So they're, they're sending this to Lebanon to basically better strike Israel because, frankly, according to our fake map here, Kumar, mm-hmm. Kumar is located north of Dubai and is surrounded in, by in the country southern of Iran. Iran. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like if a small part of southern Iran broke off and formed its own splinter country. 
Um, yeah, so th- this happens. So they're not in a place to strike easily at Israel um, without, you know, and it's implied that they don't really have much of an air force, definitely not compared to Israel, whose air force is, of course, prominently propped up by us. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, this definitely isn't a uh, proxy war at all. Right, <laughs> right. Um, so, uh, yeah. so Bartlett, you know, Bartlett is like, hey, I don't want to you know, we'll worry about that tomorrow or whatever. And then Leo kind of goes hard on him (laughs) with like, we said that yesterday, you know? And like, normally I'd be on Leo's side here where we're like, yeah, kicking the can down the road doesn't help is a bad approach. Yeah. But the problem is Leo's solution is then to be like, why don't we just fuck up Kumar a whole bunch? (laughs) Like, like he just keeps recommending the stronger military thing. And this goes back to that moment he had a couple episodes ago about like, What's the end game here? Is it the American flag flying over Mecca? And that's all I can think about as being in Leo's head when he's recommending all these harder military options to Bartlett. Is like he, he wants that version of the end game. Yeah. Um, it's. I, I I get that Leo has an itchy trigger finger, and he's supposed to be the one that's like pushing. And and is like the military side of the administration because right. we've he made, trusts the military almost always. Well, and we've we've made a big deal of Bartlett being a non-warrior president and whatever. Right. So he's the the mm-hmm. thing there. But like the the script is so fucking condescending. Like he just both Fitz Wallace and and Leo are just like blow him the fuck up. Mm-hmm. He's like okay, and to his credit, Bartlett is like. Just like intercept the boat, but do not just, fire. Yeah, on capture it. it. Do not shoot it. Yeah. Um. Uh, but even even capturing it is a sort of escalation step. Yeah. Um. Which th- they are correct. You know they they do point out. But so yeah, it's it's this thing where Bartlett goes along halfway with them. Um. Kind of picking the worst of both worlds, really. Yes, indeed. Um. And so like towards the end of the episode, they're just like like not much we don't hear much more about this in this episode right it's it, yeah it's nothing's resolved um, yeah i'm pretty sh- i'm pretty sure there will be more of this going forward again credit where credit's due i like that the show is really playing out the stakes of the sharif assassination yes. this far that like we you know we've gotten to the point where now bartlett's decision to assassinate sharif has almost kicked off world war three in the middle east exactly like and you cannot so, just dodge bravo. this yeah yeah so bravo but the problem is, I'm pretty sure whatever the end result of all this will be is that they just sort of like hand wave away World War Three and like, <laughs> ah, don't worry, we fixed it somehow. Kind of like how India got some infrastructure uh, way back in like season one or two, and we avoided World War Three uh, uh, for the first time. Yeah. Like. <laughs> so anyway, like, and that's that's basically all we hear about this. Pretty kind much of the last bit that comes up in the episode that we wanted to talk about. Um, Amy and Josh are still doing doing their thing. Yeah, uh, it's it's toned down a little bit because I think you know I think once Amy realized that Josh didn't take the balloon animal hint, I think she's realized he's a lost cause. <laughs> uh, so I don't think she's trying to like offer him chances back at this point, but he's still trying to uh, talk to her mostly for work-related things where he thinks she's the perfect uh, person. Yeah, she's the right will, one to go to. Who will help them figure out this family answer yep. problem, um, like in the clip you linked earlier in the episode, where, yeah, they don't have this right answer for, like, 
how should the government support families or, or something like that. Yeah. And, you know, Amy's a lady, so let's ask the lady. <laughs> um, she knows. She's a mom. Uh <laughs> She yeah. is not a mom, but well, like, yeah, you know, she, that's the sexist assumption. Well, and she's on um, a date when he calls her, and she is yeah. a huge bitch to this date, which yeah. rules, but is also like, holy shit. It's funny, but like, man, poor guy. He yeah. didn't ask for this. <laughs> but yeah, he's just sort of this sad sack third wheel in this in this Josh and Amy sort of mini drama that's going on, uh, where they're both clearly still hung up on each other. Uh, and are using work as an excuse to, like, keep in touch, essentially. And, I mean, and the answer that she gives him is fine. It's just like... Sure. Yeah, it's it's fine. It's whatever. whatever. It's, yeah, it's just like the goddamn it's, it's answer. The right, it's the right democratic pablum that will make the Baileys clap and, and go, oh, good answer, good answer. Yeah, it's, it's exactly like what they're trying to do with the fucking Rooker thing, where it's like... Um, we, we can't possibly just say that quotas are bad. Right. Or we can't just say that, like, hey, I fucked up, you know, it yeah. happens, <laughs> you know. I, I made, uh, we made one mistake, we pulled it, he he ended up not being attorney general. The end. <laughs> yeah, we didn't <laughs> like, even do anything. <laughs> right, he didn't even, like, serve as attorney general for any amount of time. Uh, but yeah, in the flashbacks, we see them dealing with the Rooker situation, and I'm not gonna go into it uh, too much or whatever. I do think it's funny that, like, the entire time Sam has the easy and simple solution and everyone, again, fucking ignores him, just like they do with Joey Lucas, uh, <laughs> where where the easy and obvious advice of, like, guys, let's just pull the Rooker nomination. It, se- it sounds like he's controversial. Why don't we just yank it and we'll move on and it'll be a story for a day or two, but then we'll announce a new pick and that will be the story. And, so- and that, of course, is the correct answer, but they don't <laughs> fucking do that. Well, and what what this ends up coming down to, and it, it's much more explicit. Like I said, I pulled up the script to figure out their descriptions for this stuff. It's much more explicit when you read the script and your brain hasn't been turned off by watching the episode for this long. At this point, <laughs> all of these like little peccadillos are intended to illustrate Bartlett's nervousness about the oh. Kumari Israel conflict because he's like i fucked up with rooker i fucked up in my answer with this family stuff and i got yelled at i'm I'm doing nothing but fucking up yeah and if i fuck that stuff if i fuck that stuff up am i gonna fuck up world war three in the middle east so right and then sam has a thing about like well you have smarter advisors for that kind of thing which is which is stupid (laughs) as fuck really dumb Because no, Sam, he doesn't. He has equally stupid advisors in every area. It was the, That's they're called Democrats. Well, and the the senior people are the same goddamn people who made you think about Rooker. Like yeah. what the fuck? So yeah, Sam's idea that like no, don't worry, the Joint Chiefs have to be smarter than us. Like no, they don't. In fact, they're way dumber. Well, and so the episode wraps with him like. With the swelling strings and him returning to the practice debate podium. And he's right. like, I swear to God, the winner of this debate's going to be the next president. Oh, my like, God. N- and, like, everything in the previously on, they really, uh, you know, the previously on the West Wing thing that happens actually before the episode mm. starts. Mm-hmm. They really overemphasize, like, this is it. You know, this election's actually super close. You know, shit. You know, they, they show all the clips of Josh saying, say, I know how Richie's going to win the election. Like, they make it seem super intense. But it just it just it, doesn't work over the full episode. Yeah, it never cuts through. Like, mm-hmm. all right, fine. <laughs> and then, and so the next episode 
episode, by the way, I'll just kind of transition sure. into our wrap up here. The next episode is actually going to be the debate, so we'll we'll cover that when we cover it. Uh, and I'm excited. I'll be excited to dig into that. I do know Abby comes back and has a terrific moment uh, with Bartlett. So God bless when just pull pull Stockard Channing out more. It makes <laughs> me like the show better. Um, but I, also, arguably, I feel like we get some of our better episodes when these when the the West Wing episodes are particularly bad. Well, and yeah, it's like again, you know, we mentioned at the beginning of recording here, where it's just like they really pull out all the guest stars on this uh-huh. one. Everybody except for Stalker Channing mm-hmm. is back. Mm-hmm. Like you got Fitz, and, she, and she'll be back next episode. You, so like they they've got her waiting in the wings. Yeah, yeah, you got Fitz, you got Amy Gardner, you got Joey Lucas, you got Andy Wyatt, you got flashback includes. Several lines of Dolores Landingham. Oh, right. I told... Yeah, yeah. They really do pull out... Yeah, they've got... They even pulled out the actress who played Mrs. Landingham to be like, hey, we need you in a flashback. And she's like, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you're right. They're, and as, you know, we're getting closer and closer to the election, which I think is two mm. or three episodes away, I want to say. Yeah. Uh, it's it's not, not sure. long after the debate because the debate is said to be they're six weeks out from the election right now okay. in, in West Wing time. Yeah. So there's going to be the debate. And then I don't think there's much that happens in between the, the debate and the election. Uh, and then we'll get to the actual election episode, which that should be a, uh, an interesting and fun one to cover as well. <laughs> so before we completely wrap up, I do want to mention that the one thing the CJ's arc in this episode Oh, right. Is yeah, so it ends up tying into the Rooker thing. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, CJ's arc in this episode is the kind of thing that I would have thought in, like, let's say 2008 when Obama-Rama was in full swing and I was fucking snookered just like everybody else. The kind of thing that I would have thought was just, like, a tremendous own and stereotype on these back-ass words, like, religious types. Because what Evangelicals. Happens is, yeah, what happens with CJ is... A guy comes into the press briefing room during her first week in the administration, basically gives her a little card that has her name on it and says like, hey, July 24th or whatever, we're going to be praying for you. She's like, oh, well, that's really thoughtful of you. And then later on the episode has a realization that it's like, these 365 media personalities we think are going to hell. And so therefore we're praying for them. Yeah, like we're not praying for you in the good way. (laughs) to To be fair... And this is kind of where my head came around to this is like, well, shit, I'll take I'll take prayers it, either way. Yeah, it counts. It, you know, yeah. if, if God's listening, it all it all counts either way. Right. <laughs> like if you actually believe in this stuff, then wouldn't you be like using your prayers not for these people? But hey, that's pretty inclusive of you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Well, you know what? They're really internalizing, you know, hate the sin, not the sinner. Yeah. You know, great. so. So good on them. But yeah, this ends up tying back into the Rooker thing. It's their first tip off that Rooker is bad because this evangelical guy goes, you know what? I really like that Rooker guy. He's got some smart ideas about racial profiling. (laughs) And and of course, this is an immediate red flag for CG to go, oh, we need to look into this Rooker guy. And like the most straw man thing to see because nobody would walk into the briefing room and go like, hey, you know that black guy? 
I think he's got the right idea about other black people. Like, what the yeah, fuck? Like, it's like a cartoon villain. <laughs> exactly. it's, it's so out of nowhere. But this ends up being the tipping off thing that makes them realize, like, oh, shit, we need to, you know, yeah. investigate and maybe change our mind about the Rooker decision. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's comical in how, like, over the top blatant it is. Which is great. So, uh, you know. Yeah. So anyway, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, we, we always appreciate uh, your listens, your follows, your feedbacks, your likes, your hearts on, on SoundCloud. Uh, if you'd like to, we have a couple threads now going on, one on Something Awful, one on Bread and Roses. Uh, we love our feedback in either one. If you found the show a different way, hello, welcome. If you have any questions, comments, feedback, uh, you can shoot the show an email at theworstwing69 at gmail.com. <laughs> nice. Nice. And we will be back next time to cover uh, the actual fictional debate uh, that happens in the West Wing here on The Worst Wing. Thanks, everybody. Stay safe. Bye-bye. Bye. Stay safe. Bye.